Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of an exciting new ABB podcast, ABB Decoded. I'm your host, Anthony Rowlinson, and in our new series, we will be talking to leading thinkers and innovators about the new technologies that are reshaping our world at a rapid pace. Over the coming weeks, we'll be exploring developments in sustainability, e-mobility, and decarbonisation, for example. Then we'll be touching on topics such as diversity and inclusion, the fourth industrial revolution, working with robots and smart technology for our homes and cities. Technology advances are happening at such a rapid pace that it's sometimes hard to keep up with the changes we see all around us every day. And that's where ABB Decoded will step in to help keep you up to speed. For our first episode, Mobility Revolution, we've chosen to focus on an area of rapid change that touches each of our everyday lives, e-mobility and the electrification of transport. Of course, that means electric cars and buses, which are becoming an increasingly familiar sight on our roads. But it also means the infrastructure changes that are necessary to allow EV usage to increase and the government policies that are being reframed to promote e-mobility. It's a fascinating world full of opportunity and complexity. And here with us today to navigate us through an electrically driven transport future is Frank Mulon, ABB's Head of Global E-Mobility Infrastructure Solutions. Hello, Frank. Yeah, hello, Anthony. Frank, it's great that you can join us. But before we begin, here's a brief recap on electric vehicles. It's easily forgotten that some of the very first vehicles on our roads were powered by electricity. Their history dates back to roughly 1900, when around a third of cars on the road were EVs. They were slow and powered by heavy lead-acid batteries, but the potential of the technology was evident right from the start. Some of the same benefits that EV drivers enjoy today, such as ease of driving and zero exhaust emissions, were just as relevant then. But their early growth was nipped in the bud by the discovery of large oil fields around the world, and very soon the production of cheap gasoline was in full flow, and the range advantages of petrol-powered cars led to the decline of EVs. This, in turn, drove the development of motorway networks, which locked in the advantages of the gas guzzlers. Now, though, more than 100 years later, battery and charging advances are allowing EVs to become more relevant than ever, so it's the perfect moment to be discussing the mobility revolution. Frank, perhaps you could bring us up to speed on the pace of change in the mobility sector. Yeah, of course, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. So, and uh, indeed, where we're at right now is uh, is really we're in the mobility sector. We see that this sector is on the mind, on the, on the top of everybody, and we're really at a disruption point. Yeah. So, the um, the automotive industry, the automotive world, is um, is becoming really a part of the electrical world. So the two worlds merge together. And in the past, they were really distinct industries and uh, that's no longer the case. Um, in the next 10 years, we see them really coming even closer together. And um, if you look at the, um, at the pace and at the advance of, of the industry, uh, what it took so far, um, it's uh, really interesting to just look back the last 10 years. So, uh, Ten years back, uh, ABB installed the first commercial DC fast chargers and uh, in Europe, there was in the Netherlands. And uh, back then, we could charge a car potentially with maximum 50 kilowatt. Yeah, so, but the cars were not ready yet, but the chargers then 50 kilowatt 10 years ago as a maximum. And that uh, could give a range of about 150 kilometers in about uh, 30 minutes in a very ideal case. Uh, today, uh, 10 years later, uh, we're 
kind of the market leader in the uh, in the Western world with DC fast chargers. Sold about fourteen thousand uh, DC fast chargers uh, globally in more than eighty countries, and many of those actually have power ranges of up to three hundred and fifty kilowatt. So they are our Terra high power fast chargers. And uh, those can actually charge a car up in less than 15 minutes, about 80% uh, uh, capacity of the battery. And the same is true, not only for cars, but also for public transportation. And uh, in public transportation, and today um, is uh, you see that in a lot of cities and you see that uh, buses are charged in, in five to six minutes, uh, again, up for the next 150 kilometers. So uh, you can really go in definite ranges if you like. And uh, this is just two examples, but real game changers. And of course, the, the progress doesn't stop at all. The world's top 20 car makers almost spend about 100 billion on research and development uh, just in the last year in order to accelerate uh, their transition to produce and uh, develop uh, electric and autonomous vehicles. And uh, on top of that, countries such as the UK announced a $47 million uh, spend of, of government finance to design, test and produce electric transportation solutions in, in the country. So we actually see it from the industry and we see it from, uh, from, from governments. And so, of course, we, we fully push into that. So we uh, uh, earlier this year inaugurated our new R&D uh, e-mobility uh, center in, in, in Delft in the Netherlands on the campus of Delft University. And um, there we, we have the capability to, um, to test vehicles and, um, uh, and to test uh, chargers combined. Uh, the facility is even built in a way that we can drive buses or trucks inside the facility and even charge inside the facility. Then, and also we, we just announced that we um, um, open a new factory in Italy uh, to cope with the um, high demand we have in, in, in EV chargers. It feels, Frank, like there's suddenly almost an explosion of interesting mobility and technology advances at the same time. So perhaps for some of the listeners who may not be quite so expert in this field as yourself, you could tell us about the different types of electric vehicles that people might be encountering now. Yeah, so if we look at electric vehicles, if we start from the most simple form of, uh, of an EV, that would be kind of a mild hybrid on a 48-volt basis. So that's the, the least amount of electrification you can do. Basically, what you have is a bit an oversized uh, starter motor, also working as a generator, an alternator. And... Um, so battery is also a bit oversized and what you what you can do is typical start stop operation or uh, you can go into kind of sailing modes mean that the engine can switch off uh, when uh, the propulsion is not needed and uh, at high energy output um, actually that uh, alternator can even help to to boost um, and in, in the opposite, uh, it can really, really recuperate uh, energy back into the battery. Uh, then you have the uh, full hybrid. A full hybrid basically is a combination of a combustion engine and an electrical engine. And uh, the combustion engine uh, kind of at the end powers the, the battery as well. And then you can drive inside a city um, uh, from uh, that battery powered by before by the combustion engine. Of course, that's not ideal because you still have the combustion engine to, um, to burn fossil fuels to power everything. So the next step is a plug-in um, hybrid where you load the battery um, from, um, yeah, actually from, from the charger, from plugging it in. 
And uh, then you have a certain range, can be um, like 20 to 50 kilometers, ideally up to 100 kilometers, but that's that's really big uh, plug-in hybrids. You can drive electrically, pure electric. So average, I would more say, is like, like 20 to 50 kilometers max. Um, but then you still have two um, propulsion systems, an electrical system and a combustion engine. And, and kind of you have to think, is that uh, is it now ideal? Yeah, it's a bit like a duck. Right? It can, can swim and fly, but nothing really proper, right? So the, the next real step is to, to have a full battery electric vehicle. So you kick out the combustion engine completely and um, have a pure electrical uh, motor to, to drive. And... Um, run purely out of a battery. So that that's what we talk about right now these days. That's the mainstream. Yeah? And that, that's what you talk about when you talk about an electric vehicle. We're seeing some really amazing vehicles coming out now, like the Porsche Taycan, for example, which is capable of taking a very high charge from an ABB charger. Yeah, that, that, that's of course the the premium vehicle which can really uh, take the the highest amount of charge. Uh, but let's not underestimate the Teslas as well, right? I mean, they 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 already play in that league as well. Um, there's another type of electric vehicle which is the fuel cell vehicle. Um, there, instead of taking the energy for the electrical motor from a battery, you generated on site with a fuel cell. Now, uh, there's a lot of debate on, on, on what is um, the better technology. Uh, I would simply say it's like usually depends, right? It, it depends on the use case. So if um, the use case is a car or inner city transportation or whatever, I would always go fully electric because it's the technology available today, uh, whilst in fuel cell, um, it's the much more expensive technology, at least today, and uh, will also be like that uh, for the next couple of years, um, and also because on the, uh, of the missing infrastructure. So you have, if you have a particular use case, then probably fine, else it's more restricted to longer range trucks or ships or aviation and so on. Yeah. Obviously, all these vehicles need charging in their own different way. So perhaps you could, again, just in, in quite simple terms, explain the different types of charging for consumers and businesses. Let's start from the most simple form uh, is your plug. That's what we call level one charging. It's about 3.6 kilowatt at the max. And um, uh, that means about eight kilometers or five miles you uh, you can charge within one hour. So then it's basically you better do not use your vehicle too often or you only use it for very, very short distances. Then the most uh, used type of charging is the level two charging or we also call it AC charging. And um, this, of course, is three to, to seven times faster than the, the level one. It goes to charge rates of about 11 kilowatt up to 22 kilowatt. But now it's not so much the charger which uh, determines the charging speed here because the uh, the conversion from AC to DC happens inside the car in a so-called onboard converter. And there you can get like 40 kilometers or 25 miles in about an hour, right? So um, that means it's um, if you if you park your car for a longer period, um, overnight, etc., that's the right... Uh, means of charging. So overnight charging at home or charging in um, at workplace. Um, so that, that's so kind of quite, use quite a consumer-friendly type of charging. Yeah, absolutely. So ideally, if you have an EV and you plug in and have the opportunity to plug in at home or you have the opportunity to plug in at your workplace, 
um, you you don't need to go anywhere else, right? So you you just park and plug in, and and, and that's it. Yeah. So you you really completely um, get rid of this this going to a petrol station type of thing. Yeah. Do you think this is part of the mindset change that people are experiencing? Well, maybe that people have to actually understand that you don't need to go to a petrol station, and that you can actually do this if you're lucky enough in your garage or your drive or on a charging point on the highway. Do you think that's part of what people need to understand more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, people who drive EV, they, they understand that. They start enjoying it. People who do not drive EV, they, they're always concerned about the range. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I can only go that far and then I have to search for uh, a charger and then this charger is, is slow or is not working and it's a nightmare, right? But if you drive already and then you can plug in, it's, it's actually, it's luxury. Yeah? It's just the opposite. But now still, of course, you also want to drive longer distances with your EV. Or you have don't have the opportunity to plug in at home because you live in a, in, in a larger apartment building, you don't have your own grid connection and so on. What you then need is a faster charge. Then it's basically that kind of petrol station experience. Yeah? You go to a place to charge. And uh, so that, that's what you do in DC fast charging. And in DC fast charging, uh, you have a range. Usually, I mean, you can start low with also 11 kilowatt, but that's not the usual one. So you go up to, uh, to the 50 kilowatt I mentioned earlier or a high power charger of up to 350 kilowatt. And, and then what is determining the charging speed is no longer the onboard converter, uh, but it's actually the, the battery you have in your car. How much charge can a battery accept over in a certain period of time without getting overheated? And then in an ideal case, you can get like 80% charge of your battery in like like 12 minutes or like like 200 miles in 12 minutes. I mean, that, that's the, the Porsche Taycan example. So it's, it's fascinating really that the technology is there already to make EVs kind of very easy for people to use, but... Really, the infrastructure is not quite there yet, and, and we're playing catch up on that level. Mm -hmm, right. And then there's also, because you, you were mentioning the mindset change earlier, I mean, also with DC Fast, they can, can combine it with the mindset change, because you do not ha need to have kind of the, the, the petrol station experience. You go there for, for five minutes to, to fill up your tank, and uh, afterwards you look for a place to wash your hands to, to get rid of the, uh, the smell of your hands, right? You, you, you plug in there and, uh, and stay there like 15 to 20 minutes, so it's a small coffee break, uh, for example, or you can combine with the grocery shopping or whatever, right? So you, you really try to combine. And this is then also the places where these chargers are located. Uh, and it's much easier to, uh, of course, to bring electricity to these places than bringing uh, large petrol tanks, right? So and, and, and it means you, you will have a completely different density of, of charging opportunities going forward. Obviously, you've given us a great overview there of sort of where we've come from and pretty much where we are now. But let's let's look for a moment to the future, um, which is a particularly interesting point for ABB and the ABB FIA Formula E Championship. Uh, because from season nine, which is 2022 stroke 23, we will actually be the official charging supplier to the championship. So we're really going to be showcasing what's possible. And perhaps you could give us a, a little glimpse of what's to come. We're very happy actually to be the... Um title sponsor of the Formula E championship since 2018 and the, the race itself and, and, and how, it, um, uh, how it's structured is, is very appealing to ABB from, uh, from the type of uh, competition and, and from bringing awareness to, uh, to e-mobility and um, also that the race is really 
take place inside uh, larger cities in a normal non-COVID time, right? <laughs> so you, you bring people close to immobility races and uh, without bringing the, um, the the smell and the noise you would usually bring with a, with a car race. Uh, so, um, and, and that in itself brings people closer to technology and uh, to a carbon neutral technology. And that's exactly uh, what we want to do. Now, season nine, uh, we will also be the official charging partner for the for the ABB Formula E race itself. I, I always try to, to put the bridge from from the race to real life yeah, because that's where, where the learning should be. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, in, in charging technology, we can learn from from the race to make everything more robust, etc. Um, but uh, for the battery, I think for the battery manufacturers and, and the, uh, the the car OEMs playing in there, it's, it's it's even more important because the weight of the battery is decisive. The density of the battery and, and how to package it is decisive. And the C-rate, how you can charge it. If you have uh, now a race condition, you probably want to do that a bit faster. Yeah? And uh, But then if you do it faster, uh, there is, of course, thresholds and limits where you start to overheat, where you start to destroy the cells and so on. So to take a learning there, I think, is important. And uh, yeah, also for real life, it's the battery cost. Yeah. It's fascinating to hear how the... The charging and the battery just so completely interlinked. One, it's literally you can't have one without the other, can you? They're very interdependent. Absolutely, and of course, there's a logic, right? There's not there's not the hardware piece battery and the hardware piece charger. There is a, a battery management system uh, becoming the uh, the master in the charging process and telling the charger um, how much energy now it can take at which moment in time, so that the both are very very interlinked. Yeah. So it's more than just simply plugging in and saying, "Here's some power." Is that there's a lot of um, yeah. software going on behind that. Absolutely. Yeah. We saw the first electric cars on the streets in the 1900s, uh, but the rate of progress since then, uh, with long-haul EV trucks that you've mentioned, fully electric fleets, autonomy, extensive charging networks, people have said for a long time this is the future or it's, it's the revolution that needs to happen. But actually, is it is it really the here and now? Are we actually living this new mobility reality, do you think? Yeah, I think uh, we're not there yet. I mean, in, in all honesty, um, we see a tremendous push. We see a tremendous increase. If you look a bit to um, into the history here, which you which you started off, so we um, we saw last year, 2019, 7.2 million EVs, so um, battery electric EVs and plug-in hybrids. So uh, put that together on the road globally. So 7.2 uh, globally. However, in only last year, out of these 7.2, 2.1 million came additionally. So um, you can um, mathematically look at it and, of course, see that the growth is not linear. It's, uh, it's an exponential growth. We are still in the early phase, um, but we will see an exponential growth rate in EVs. Is it easy to sort of predict the, those curves? You talk about like an exponential graph. Can you actually sort of see where things are going? Is it is it predictable in that way? We look at a lot of studies, uh, Anthony, and, and uh, there is uh, quite a difference in depending on which study you look at. And um, I think what yeah, we tend to believe that about by 2030, Probably uh, like 25% of the uh, cars coming to the market might be electric. Right, that's a very big figure in, in not very long time away. So yeah, a, 10 a, years a roughly. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No. So Frank, we've talked more or less about consumers and EVs, private mobility if you like. So perhaps you could give us an insight into the commercial and public transport side because obviously electric trucks, buses and so on are very important for our daily lives. Yeah, so if you look at a bus um, 
and if you combine the bus uh, with transportation inside a city as public transportation, you will soon realize that um, the quality of life inside a city is uh, pretty much dependent on, uh, let's say, the, the emissions um, public transportation causes, right? So if, you, uh, if you're in a city and uh, the buses really smell and stink and, <laughs> uh, and are noisy, uh, that's completely different to an electric bus. Right, you you hardly hear it, and you don't smell anything. Right, and of course the the emissions and the air quality is is much cleaner inside the city. So, um, and then the um, the adoption rate of public transportation will also go up. So um, that is really a, a clear driver for a lot of forward thinking cities to get rid of um, diesel buses and replace them with uh, electric propulsion. And there's a lot of cities leading with, uh, with, with good examples. The city of Santiago has the, uh, the largest uh, e-bus fleet outside China. And of course, didn't talk about China. The city of Shenzhen has 100% electric buses, 100% electric taxis. So that's, uh, it is possible. So we're really moving forward. And um, then uh, it's the trucks is the next thing. I mean, if you take buses, uh, diesel buses out the cities. You don't want to have your refuse trucks driving around and, and making a lot of noise and, 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 and uh, a lot of, uh, um, let's say, um, CO2 emissions or uh, inner city transportation uh, to the shops, uh, to the shopping malls and, and, and whatever. So you really want to take out that part of uh, noise and, and carbon emission too. And uh, so last mile delivery here is um, is the phrase. So we really want to uh, help that as well. And so we see a lot of trucks, uh, light commercial vehicles, but also heavy commercial vehicle trucks uh, going to electrify. You probably heard about aviation even becoming electric or, or shipping and, and there's uh, water taxis and, and all sorts of stuff. But everything is becoming more and more electrical. And as soon as you see it uh, on, on the benefit side, um, of course, there's always a certain threshold to <laughs> to jump over but if you're over that uh, and you see the benefits uh, it's kind of going exponential yeah. it feels like there's a sort of almost tangible uh, electric future just just within touching distance but maybe not quite today but but very soon it feels yeah, yeah, that yeah, way yeah. Yeah. exactly so that and, and that, that's what we see i mean we see really a low take rate right now so uh, this is why we still say the future is electric. It's not. It's not there yet, but we're shaping it. And then I think we, um, we we came a long way. Um, I mean, ten years, but only ten years, right? I mean, if you think how old the the mobility industry is, and then now we're only talking about the last ten years, and which progress we've made the last ten years. So um, imagine the next ten years and, and where we will be at. Yeah. So we're really coming out of that uh, of that corner of only let's say very technophile people uh, driving electric and to, to really becoming a mess phenomenon. Frank, it's been absolutely fascinating to listen to you and to talk with you. So thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to seeing the next developments in this fascinating world. Yeah, thanks a lot, Anthony. Pleasure. Mm-hmm.